0: But I want to pick that wine that's going to be like, he's going to have one sip and be like, this is right up my
1: alley. Mainly wine and beer at Christmas, but New Year's Eve is more about cocktails and stepping out a bit more.
2: If I think about, you know, a 40 degree day, I just think spritz, like that's it for me. It is that time of year. And by that, I mean it is that thirsty time of year. We are gathered today to talk drinks with Over a Glass host Shantae Whale. Hey, Shantae. Hi, guys. How are you? And Deep in the Weeds host and my co host on the producers, Anthony Huckstep. Welcome, Huck.
1: G'day, guys.
2: Great to be here with you. Uh, It's always so nice to gather as part of the Deep in the Weeds Network and do fun, cool things just because we can and because we love to chat, food and drink. So Shantae, you are our expert today, host of a drinks podcast, Somalia Extraordinaire. I'm going to start by asking you, what are you loving at the moment? What's
0: feeling like summer to you? Oh, God. There's so many great things out at the moment. It's kind of – I'm in a bit of a pickle for what to drink when. I end up having to, you know, look in the fridge and I take a little bit and I'm like, just choose something. It's a bit like jumping onto Netflix, right, when you spend the time just deciding what what you want to have. But there's just so much coming out and there's so much competition at the moment. It feels like New Zealand is, you know, you know on the – the forefront of what they're doing and Australia is doing really well. We're getting a lot more imports as well. So there's just so much happening. Um, I'm, I'm really a big gin drinker, so I'm always looking for new and exciting gins. So, the, you know, the kind of spritzes, making a little spritz, adding a bit of gin in, that's kind of where I'm at the moment just because I can use different vermouths and different gins and maybe a different sparkling and whatever I've got open. So I've been kind of playing with that a little bit at the moment. The amount of vermouths out there right now are so exciting. The Australian vermouths with different bittering agents and botanicals, I think that they've kind of got a bad rap. So I think that at the moment I'm, I'm into trying lots of different vermouths and seeing what works and playing around and adding different garnishes.
2: I love that. Um, Huck, what are you loving at the moment? You look thirsty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving that the weather's a bit warmer. And, you know, in in the past, um, sort of mid-strength beers or light beers were sort of frowned upon. And I'm loving sitting on the front step in the afternoon with my wife and uh, the sun, sort of. Beating down and um, having a either a non-alcoholic beer or a mid-strength beer um, in the afternoon, and it's spectacular. And you can have you know one or two, and you don't sort of get sleepy by dinner time, um, which is, which is quite nice. And um, yeah, that's it's it's just just such a nice thing to do to sit on the front porch and just um, chill out with a non-alcoholic beer, which which you know they're amazing these days.
2: Shante, it's really interesting hearing you talk about you know, imports and New Zealand, you know, how how patriotic should we be? I mean, I, I feel like over the past couple of years, it's been, you know, everyone's been going through everything and it's been like, for me, like support Victorian, support Australian. But of course, you know, i been wanting to explore the world as well. Like, how do you sort of balance that out?
0: I think just having an awareness of kind of what is your local, what, what, what do we do really well? But then also, you know you have to, we're Australian, we want to travel, we want to experience the world. So you also want to see what else is happening. So I think that knowing what we do really well in Australia, um, perhaps, you know, like we said, the gin game incredibly strong right now. Our wine varietals are just going through the roof in terms of alternate varietals. But it's great to kind of go, you know, where did that var- varietal originate? You know, maybe it's something Spanish and, and comparing it against, say, a Tempranillo um, from Spain, but then also looking at an Australian examples. So I think it's just try and be informed so that you can kind of say, actually, I know what craft beers is down at my local kind of pubs, but then also at the same time, you know, maybe check out a Czech pilsner against a, you know, a new Aussie little pilsner.
2: Mm, I love that idea. I mean, you know, Christmas and the holidays, it's such a time of tradition and we're told, you know, don't try something new when you're cooking for guests. But what about trying something new, on the drink side of things? Like, do you think we need to play it safe or is this a little bit of a time of exploration and,
0: dare I say it, danger? (laughs) I think it depends on your family, doesn't it? I mean, (laughs) I'm happy to try out. They're like my guinea pigs, so I don't mind uh, giving them something a bit wacky and seeing their response. But at the same time, it depends on my uh, in-law's family. I'd probably go with the tried and tested stuff because I really want them to enjoy it and I want to make sure that I've got, like, the right wine for, you know, my father-in-law who really loves his red. I want to pick that wine that's going to be like, he's going to have one sip and be like, this is right up my alley. Whereas with my family, I kind of, yeah, if it goes all uh, all astray and uh, I don't know, the punch is too strong, it only gets more entertaining.
1: (laughs) And it doesn't matter, does it? They're family, so they have to tolerate it. Exactly. (laughs) Danny, what sort of speaks of drinks uh, in summer for you?
2: Well, for me, if I think about, you know, a 40-degree day, I just think spritz. Like, that's it for me. And, yeah, I always just think Venice, baking hot, August, uh yeah and just looking forward to whatever seemed like a, a a seemly time to have the first drink uh so yeah for me it's it's definitely a spritz so um and cl- just pretty classic like i like it really bitter so i want you know quite a quite um quite a dry sparkling to to top it um yeah just like a tall glass lots of ice uh, yeah, but not too tall because I want to be able to go back for another one.
0: <laughs> not too much ice, otherwise it waters it down as well. It's true.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So definitely that. And I think I'm not a massive beer drinker, but I think in summer that's when I will have a beer. And I, I love, you know, what you're saying about the mid-strength and some of the sours. I think um, they, they really speak to me in some of those fruity beers. You know, I'm not going to session on them, but um, just as a refresher, I think that they're really a really nice way to sort of punctuate a, a, an afternoon or an evening, um, yeah, I, I think there's so much to explore out there. And I think, you know, beer is something where it's not a huge investment. So you can experiment a little bit and, and try and try things.
1: I, th- I feel like cider is in the same sort of vein as well. I, I like to dip into the odd cider during summer as well. Um but definitely, I, I sort of echo what you said about sour beers, it's definitely not a session ale, but it's it's really refreshing and um, it's almost like a spritz in the beer category in, in that sense of the way that it makes you feel and um, you can sort of slam them down fast like a well-known soft drink.
2: <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, Shantae, I'd love to ask you about matching. Uh, Do you pick wines to go with, you know, traditional Christmas foods
0: like seafood or turkey or ham? Yeah, but I think that it's a bit – for me, Christmas is a bit of that expression of abundance, you know. So, I don't want to kind of say, here's the wine that's going to go perfectly with your oysters and and kind of dictate to people like that. I like to have an array of different wines and kind of pop them on the table and let people, you know – pick and choose and I feel the same a little bit with with a meal as well it's a little bit about having a, a little bit of over and excess and then you can kind of delve in and decide what you have and you know it depends how responsible you are whether you feel completely ill and you've overindulged or not, which a lot of us do or if you've um, been really sensible and and uh, had one or two pieces of seafood and just tried one wine but who does that
2: yeah, I think definitely it's a grazing time, isn't it? So yeah, you want to try a little bit of this and a little bit of that.
1: We we had a really fun um, sort of get together recently. Um, my our father in law's birthday, and the on the invite it said bring your favourite wine. So there was about 30 people in the room and they brought along their favourite wine and then everyone sort of talked about and shared the different wines. And that was a really interesting way to find out, A, about a person and the way they drink and also something that you might like or that you've never had before. It was a really fun way to sort of um, approach a party with with wine.
2: Do you remember what you brought?
1: I do. (laughs) I brought um, the Cullen Amber, which... um, which is a great table wine in our house.
0: That's, and that's such a good wine for a talking point, but also to go with so many dishes. But I like that someone said favourite wine and not like your most impressive wine or a wine you think other people would enjoy because then it, you can just talk about why you really love it. And then if nobody else does, then it doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> that's right. And it doesn't have to break the bank. And that's the thing about great beverages. They don't have to be really, really expensive to be fantastic.
2: Um, Huck, have you got any fave memories of summer drinks? Or summer sessions?
1: Oh, geez. Geez. I don't know that uh, none that I'd want to record. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a funny time of year because I, I I drink differently at Christmas as I do in New Year's. And so I have like fond memories about um, uh, uh, having, yeah, to, like wine and, um, but mainly wine and beer at Christmas um, with, with maybe a spirit, but. New Year's Eve is more about cocktails and, um, sort of stepping out a bit more and sort of, it's almost like, um, Sydney versus Melbourne, you know, the legs are kicking New Year's Eve and Melbourne is more refined and, uh, and more, uh, Yeah, more refined drinking experience.
2: (laughs) Melbourne turns it on for New Year's Eve as well, mate. So (laughs) I I remember last New Year's Eve, I was over the road at the Neighbours and we were just drinking margaritas um, and it was really hot. And I remember having my, um, up to my ankles in their kiddies paddling pool around midnight and yeah, listening to the fireworks. Uh, So yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, party cocktails for New Year's Eve for sure. Um, Shantae, have you got any favourite summer drinking memories?
0: Um, I probably do have one with my husband. When we first started dating, I lived in this little apartment in Newtown. It was a studio apartment and it was just a hot box. That was what he would call it because it had no air con. It was just. Scorching, And I remember we decided to uh, hang out one night um, and it ended up being like 45 degrees day and we ended up just trying to cool down in this tiny apartment and he introduced me to what's called bogan air conditioning which is like um, a tea towel soaked in water and then frozen in in the in the freezer. So we had those kind of on top like our hat and uh, he was drinking VB and I, I wasn't a huge beer fan at the time so I was making beer shandies and I just remember just, you know, like having, you know, sopping wet, you know, singlet and this ridiculous hat on and thinking, this is actually pretty romantic. <laughs> so I, I still to this day, and I don't know, if you're a spritz girl, maybe you wouldn't mind it be a shandy because they can really kind of turn you around, I think. <laughs>
1: I grew up on Shandy's. I I think they're fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And Danny, I had a, I had a sort of mental blank when you asked me about a Christmas story, but when I used to work in, in restaurants, I used to work Christmas day and and cooking the kitchens and stuff when I was in my early twenties. And we would always get the massive Hobart out and make a giant eggnog and the kitchen team and the wait staff would just be drinking that all day as they're serving people. And I'm not sure if it was legal or not, but, um, Possibly not. But um, but we just had like litres and litres and litres of eggnog, which was probably um, highly alcoholic. But it certainly um, lifted the Christmas spirits as we were trying to feed 350 people.
2: Oh, I'm not sure if there's a recommended dose of the eggnog, but I feel you <laughs> may have exceeded it. <laughs> but Shantae, it makes me want to talk to you about working through this summer period because, I mean, for you know, it's probably pretty new for you that you're not in a restaurant over the Christmas, New Year period looking after everybody else. I mean, what, what what was that like? What were those rhythms like?
0: Yeah, what a weird flip of the cards. It's quite, um, it's quite, bizarre actually to have time to first of all I need to I can't I haven't got an excuse not to shop for people now so because I've got you know all this time apparently on my hands on maternity leave so um I'm like oh man I can't just give everyone wine that I'd buy out of the key cellar and just to hand out to everyone now I've got to actually put some effort in but um you know Christmas in a restaurant is it's hectic and, and amazing at the same time and you know we'd always put on this big Christmas feast and we'd all have ridiculous amount of prawns and and every kind of slow cooked meat you can have and then you go into service feeling absolutely rubbish you know with this huge stomach just like oh god I just want to have a nap um and I actually miss the I'll miss the camaraderie between the chefs and everybody who gets up early to make that happen. And, and afterwards, you know, having, a, like you said, if the chefs are on it, it's a punch of some kind that they've made that you don't know what they've put in there. And you're like, we don't have to, you know, get absolutely loaded off the first drink, but that's not maybe how they work. So <laughs> I remember the punch afterwards being pretty crazy, but I am looking forward to a quieter, um, maybe more planned out and more relaxing uh, year this year with my feet up. Mm
2: that's yes well so, so well deserved after after all those years in the trenches i feel like more and more you know families or groups of friends are having christmas and new year celebrations in restaurants you know it's like some people are really I don't know, they haven't got back into the swing of hosting after all lockdowns and stuff, or it just feels like it's, you know, it's a lot of work or perhaps, you know, no one can decide whose ham is better. So we're going to just like take it, take it outside, take it off site. I mean, what kind of trends have you seen over the years, Shantae, in terms of people taking, you know, celebrating these occasions in restaurants?
0: Yeah, that you see such a mix. I always thought it would be people traveling or that are away from home, but you see the retirees that come in that have, you know, hosted Christmas for a long time and just want to, you know, their, their kids might be overseas and they just want to have a nice indulgent meal, just the two of them. Um, you definitely see the families with the kids that come in. Um, And then also lots of traveling people. So you see such a mix, but at the end of the day, the people that came in were the ones that wanted to be fussed upon and they wanted to have a really beautiful meal where, you know, the, the drinks were considered, the thought food was thoughtful and that they could look out on the harbor and just enjoy Sydney. And, anyone that walks in with that kind of attitude is going to have a good day and that's what's so nice and 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 often the people were so gracious that you were there working they knew that you'd probably rather be with your family or somewhere else and so their attitude was like thanks for working merry christmas and the the vibe was always really lovely
1: danny Grossi has that family tradition um you, you did the christmas at Grossi, didn't you
0: yeah,
2: last year I did that with my daughters. It just happened to be us in town for the day and we did our family Christmas, I think, on Christmas Eve. Um, yeah, it was really special. Uh, I think in that sense you're stepping into somebody else's tradition, uh, this Italian family Christmas and the Grossi family is, you know, so tight and has uh, such a, a grand tradition of hosting you know, lucky Melburnians for Christmas Day. So yeah, it was. You know, there was singing, there was Santa, there were people who clearly are there every single year at the same table. So yeah, it was. Um, it was a real privilege to step into that, um, and certainly. The wine that's served is, you know, part of the experience, you know, very thoughtfully chosen with a a menu that, yeah, really speaks to tradition but has a few little seasonal and contemporary tweaks along the way. So, yeah, I I feel like we'll be back, uh, you know, at Mum and Dad's this Christmas Day, but that was a really special interlude.
1: Shante, non-alcoholic beverages have really come to the fore, and we've culturally, culturally, we've let go of the fact that it's okay to, you know, it's okay to drink them. You know, like we were so caught up in it not being masculine enough, but it, not just beer, but there's all sorts of non-alcoholic beverages. Do you do you have a sort of go-to or guide of of some of the good ones out there if people want to tip into that sort of area?
0: Yeah, and I actually think we need to embrace them, not as um, in in all kind of forms whether you're not having an alcoholic day where you need something as a mixer I mean maybe they'll kill me for saying that but I've definitely used some of the the no you know no gin gin tonics with gin and they're still <laughs> delicious but I think um one of the drinks that really surprised me actually came from um, Woolworths and it's called No Ugly and it's actually from a New Zealand husband and wife team and they're a mix of incredible tonics and they you know they're non-GMO vegan friendly um, using all sustainable ingredients but really um, eclectic mixes so one might be kind of pineapple and then it's called no ugly targeting its skin so it's got like collagen and a few other things added so that you can feel really good about them they're low in sugar but they're, most importantly they're utterly delicious they don't need anything added to them you know uh, with the pineapple one I, I add a bunch of just mint as a garnish over ice but I can't believe how incredibly good they are and they're, they're not ridiculously pricey either. you find them in the um the kind of gluten-free section right down the bottom but as soon as I tapped into that I, I was like these are incredible drinks I mean you know if I'd come onto them earlier I might have been serving them at key in on the non-alcoholic pairing they're that good you fuzzle out. That's amazing.
1: The health benefits thing is is fascinating. Normally, um, you, you would be the one drinking to make other people look better, but it sounds like you can drink this one to make yourself look better. I'm, I'm all for That's that. genius,
2: isn't it? <laughs> I'm a big rap for um, the non, non-alcoholic drinks, which are these um, quite complex beverages made in Melbourne using all kinds of different um, spices and native ingredients, and they work as a as a beautiful drink by themselves, but also as a mixer um, with alcoholic or non alcoholic spirits. Um, I think, yeah, there's there's so much work going on in that space. Uh, yeah, that's really yeah flavor forward, experience forward. I think it's a really exciting space.
0: And even the um, amount of um, lower alcohol wines and also local alcohol drinks like the seltzers and things coming on board like you said we've got those mid-strength beers it doesn't have to be one or the other you can also choose a bunch of different drinks that like you said you can have a few and not feel a little tipsy or, or productive later in the day or still be involved or you know for a lot of people traveling on Christmas is important and they've got to go somewhere they want to have a celebratory drink but they don't want to have to be risking driving later so I think some of those seltzers and things like that can be great.
2: Yeah, well, speaking of traveling, I mean, a lot of people do head to the coast over summer. Do you think what you what you drink changes if you're, you know, depending on location? Is there is there a drink that you reach for because you're by the beach?
0: I think a lot of people look for like, well, I think beer is always something that goes hand in hand with the beach. Um, I think just because you know, like it's one drink and it comes in a tin or it comes in a bottle rather than taking a, a bottle of wine or things like that. But at the moment everything's in a tin, right? So you can get, you know, white wine in a tin. You can get pre-made spritzes. You can get everything these days. It's one kind of serve. So I think just being mindful because, look, as an Aussie, I love the beach, but I don't really necessarily think of swimming and drinking together. I kind of find them quite separate. So, um, <laughs> you know, we've got pretty tumultuous surf here. It's not like a cruise in a pond. So, um, I think if you're beach going, look for something that's pre made in a mix. But other than that, um, you know, if you're if you're kind of in the park, it's something again that you can kind of put into a, a cooler bag or something that's probably not in glass that you can kind of take with you, and you're not struggling with your Riddell glasses or your beautiful things are going to they're going to get broken. It's going to be a bit kind of toss and tumble, and and that's the way it should be.
2: Yeah, I guess um, we drink, we go camping and drink a few special cocktails you know people have got their specialty so there's jen who soaks light cheese in vodka and then makes a cocktail in the evening so you know when you see the light cheese soaked in the morning you know there's a little cocktail party happening at sunset so i think there are those really nice traditions that um that you can build around those those summer occasions i love i love that
0: it sounds uh, indulgent and delicious <laughs> <laughs> it
2: is <laughs> yeah um all right well I'd love to wrap up by hearing your three drink picks for summer. Huck, do you want to kick us off?
1: Sure. Well, um, one of my all-time favourite drinks ever is uh, amaro on ice with uh, like an orange rind or something. But in summer, it might be controversial and I might upset some people. But I like actually having it with soda, so um, which is a really light drink, but you still get that herbaceousness and the bitterness, um, and it's just it's stunning. It's I mean it's it's pretty much down the spritz line. But um, it's just so refreshing and um, because um, Amaro is one of my favorite things, not at the finet end of the spectrum or more you sort of um, Averna and Montenegro, that sort of end. yeah, I don't need to be drinking Listerine personally, but um <laughs>
2: <laughs> can yeah. I give a shout out to Beechworth bitters? Um, oh, they're fantastic. Aren't Michael they? Ryan's Amaro brand and I actually had one last night on ice and I felt like it was actually illegal to put Amaro with anything, but I thought in the privacy of my own home, I would be allowed to have it on ice. But now I'm here, I'm allowed to have it with soda as well.
1: Yeah, well, look, look, there'll be people upset, <laughs> upset about that. But look, it's my mouth and I'll do what I want with it. Yeah. All right, what's your number two? <laughs> okay, so, well, beer definitely. And, you know, I like to have a couple of old favourites like a Kieran or a Resha's in the fridge. But I do like tapping into the sour beers, as you, as you mentioned, or even, you know, the non-outs like um, Heaps Normal. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, and so I think, you know, if you don't have beer in the fridge, in summer like you need to have one in there for you know just for you know it's like having you have to have cheese in the fridge like it's just something that you have to have in your fridge at all times in summer
2: rules and if you got a final drink for us
1: yeah, definitely. And I'm sort of going a bit higher in the spectrum here, but because summer is such a celebration of seafood, um, you know, something like a, an aged Vat One Semion from, um, from Tyrells, um, which is, you know, one of my all-time favourite wines in Australia, um, absolutely stunning way to drink wine and, and eat seafood. It's, um, they're extraordinary. Bit of age on it, and it's one of the best things you'll ever drink.
2: Love it. All right, Shante.
0: Fill us up. That's pretty good, I have to say. I mean, and I totally agree with you. Semion and and seafood and, you know, you, that's the cream of the crop, so he's done very well there. Um, I, I definitely – I'm, I'm – t- Definitely go for a beer. And like I said, you know, if you're going something mid-strength, something like a, a Captain Sensible from Bolter, which is pretty good. I'm a big Pilsner fan. So anything in the Pilsner spectrum, um, just for me, they're right on that edge of bitterness and fruity and a little hoppy. And I just, they're too easy to drink probably for me. Um, I'd probably say a Tommy's Mardi I know we all love them here in Australia, but I just think that, you know, on my weekend where I'm allowed to have something a little bit more indulgent, I can't go past some really good tequila. And then I'd probably say maybe explore the maybe like the, the kind of either the pet nat or the kind of textual kind of skinsy whites this summer, just because I think, you know, bone dry, uh, they tend to really go well with lots of different kind of meats or seafood, or they can kind of do a bit of everything. And um, they're, they're thoughtful wines and normally have a lot of kind of texture and, and weight to them as well without, Using any sugar or anything that's too tricked up, so I think, yeah, that might be my three. Mm. Oh,
2: love it.
1: What about you, Danny?
2: Well, I think, I mean, sparkling for me is a definite, so yes, to pet nat totally. But I think for perhaps, um, for New Year's Eve, I might have a special bottle of grower champagne in the fridge and, and crack that open at midnight. I'm just, yeah, champagne is, um, is definitely my go to. Uh, it's, yeah, I just, I just love it. Um, So that would be definitely there. You know that I'm going to say spritz as well. So I know I'm still with the sparkling. What is wrong with her? But um, spritz and summer just go together for me. And I think um, for my third one, I'm going to say chilled red because I I would love to normalize I'm not going to say ice in wine, but although I will admit to that if I'm watching the cricket and it's really hot and I feel like a drink, but I wasn't organised. But I think chilled red, I think there there are a lot of reds that are being, you know, that are out there um, amongst us um, built to be chilled. And, you know, even a simple one like um, the Brown Brothers Tarango is one that I've had recently that is, you know, really accessible and... um, And, yeah, just a a really easy drink. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to say that,
0: chilled red. There's something interesting that happens to tannins when you're actually having a chilled red. And I think that it's the same kind of feeling as when you're having some textural whites as well, is that we, we experience tannins in a different way when, when something is slightly warmer on the palate and cooler. And so when you're having something like a chilled red, you're getting all these lovely vibrant, the aromatics come out, the red fruit come out, but then you're getting this dryness. And if somebody like yourself, Huck, who loves something like a bitter and a an amaro, you get this kind of contrast that happens. And I think that there's a reason why yeah, chilled reds can really work, not just because it's hot, but because they, you experience the wine in a different
1: way as well. Chilled reds are right in my lane because I do love red wine, but it really knocks me around a bit, so I don't drink it a lot. And it's often the last drink I'll have, you know, in a meal. And I'll maybe only have one glass unless it's a ripping bottle. But um, chilled, chilled reds have kind of changed the amount of red wine that I drink. That sounds like I drink a lot, but, but if you know what
0: I mean. <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. It's all right.
1: Drink in moderation, people.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, Finally, is there a drink that you love to give as a gift, whether it's a particular drink or a type of drink, uh, a drink for an occasion? Um, What do you reckon, Shantae, You want to kick that one off?
0: I'd probably say something that can be shared. And so I'm always probably pretty privy to something like a port or a sherry or something along the lines where you would open it to share it. And I think even dessert wine can fit into that category. And But it might come down to those, um, you know, memories of, of having a port with my dads and, and kind of having that last drink where, you know, you're often sitting around in pretty heavy conversation or, or kind of, you know, something emotive and, and it's a special moment. But I think something that, you know, you break out and it's it's for something that you can all kind of indulge in. And I think things like fortifieds are great for something like that. And you don't do it very often, but when you do, it's usually um,
1: with the people you love.
2: Mm, special. What about you, Huck?
1: Uh, well, these days, um, because we live in uh, the nation's capital, Canberra, and there's a lot of amazing wineries and there's also a lot of amazing beers and, and spirits being made in the region that I often tap into that. Um, you know, that sort of sense of place. And there's some great gins being made here as well. And I, I think gin is a great gift because it's a it's a party starter. It's, a sh- as Shante said, you know, something that you can share with people. Um, and, and that's probably my go-to. So, it's probably a gin of the region. And, and if not, maybe Australian gin, because there's just so many extraordinary ones. Mm.
2: I think my go-to is probably a wine with a story so a bit similar to you Huck it's like um uh, whether it's uh I've, I've been to that place with the person that I'm giving it to or we would like to go or I think we should go I think uh yeah drinks are such a brilliant way to you yeah, carry a narrative um so yeah I love that sort of extra layer of meaning that that can come along with with a bottle that you you wrap and hand over um wow I I don't know if this podcast has made me more thirsty or has satisfied my thirst. I think um there's so much to ponder. But um yeah, I think uh we uh the three of us and the whole Deep in the Weeds network wishes everybody listening some really joyful, uh moderate and sensible drinking over this summer period. Um certainly just yeah, drinks is such a such a vehicle for celebration and and so much interest so um yeah thanks Chante for all your amazing work on over the glass and bringing those stories to light over the year with many more to come but it, yeah, it's been fantastic sharing with you today
0: my pleasure it's so it's so nice and I can't look for uh, looking forward to when we get to choose a glass together but um Merry Christmas to you guys absolutely
2: Merry Christmas